Welcome to Warrior to Warrior, stories, skills, and conversations to help reclaim a courageous heart. Hello, friends. I hope I'm finding you well or taking a moment to notice how you are. And as you check in with yourself, I'll let you know that you're finding me on a very warm and slightly smoky afternoon in California's Central Valley. And the weather that we're experiencing now is what contributed to the focus of today's episode, and that's acceptance and letting go and non-attachment. It takes a lot of acceptance and letting go of preferences when you're living somewhere that has more extreme weather patterns. And there was a lot of acceptance around this move for us because this is not where we thought we would live when we became empty nesters. We made some plans to be back in San Diego at this point. And maybe it's just because we're accustomed to moving due to our radio broadcasting backgrounds, but because there was a wonderful opportunity for our family as far as work went and lifestyle considerations. We made a home somewhere that we did not expect. And I, and I'm sure you know many people who are in partnerships, part of a family, and moved because of one person and that opportunity. And maybe everybody came to an agreement, but there could be that one person was still in resistance to that change, to that move, that their preference would be to live somewhere else. And that causes so much suffering within when we are resistant to reality. So it could be quite miserable to live somewhere with extreme weather if you are in constant resistance to it rather than acceptance of it. And acceptance of very hot weather, so temperatures close to 100, even though it's getting close to fall. And smokier weather means getting out in the morning when it's clearer and cooler to spend time outside. And then in the afternoon when it's a little bit hotter to do the inside activities and acknowledge that this is something that we cannot control. We cannot control the weather. However, when we use our discernment, when we're thinking about a topic like acceptance, is there any part of the equation that we are in control of? When it comes to the weather, maybe in that tiny little minuscule part, I can do my own part of reducing my carbon footprint as the entire world is heating up, as we know. But other than that, in the moment, there's nothing that I can do except for control my own reaction to it and the way that I accommodate for it so that I can still experience as much life as I can. So that reality of the weather that I'm experiencing has me thinking about acceptance, as does the place I find myself in my own stage of empty nest syndrome. (laughs) We're about three weeks into our daughter having moved to Scotland for school, although she has no plans of returning. We'll be visiting her over the next couple of years, that's for sure, and then we'll see where she lands. But she has never found a place where she feels that she is fit in so beautifully as she feels that she fits in in Edinburgh. 
So of course, I could not be happier. And it's much easier to have acceptance as an empty nester when you know that your child is happy and cared for and safe and finding community, of course. And she is also her own unique individual and makes her own choices as to when she takes actions. (laughs) And there are several legitimate sort of administrative actions that have to be taken by a young person as they come into adulthood, things that mom and dad can't necessarily take care of for them. And some personalities may not take care of those things at the time that their parents wish they would. (laughs) So my husband and I have been going through a situation where, you know, he's privy to, we're both privy to emails from the college to Grace around certain paperwork that she has to get done in order to get a student card, da, 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 da. And so we're also privy to those emails going unanswered or maybe some things um, being pushed off to the last minute, maybe, um, you know, her not prioritizing things in the way that as her parents, we would want her to. So this is where I have found that the concept of non-attachment, the concept of acceptance has helped me in my own suffering when it comes to motherhood. And the conversations that my husband and I are having right now are really interesting because it is hard for him to let go of wanting to swoop in and save her. But ironically, if we can't find acceptance that these are her choices and our wishes for her are not going to create the life that she's leading, it is her actions that are going to create that. And if we are consistently swooping in, then she'll never learn to be the hero of her own life, as challenging as that may be. And my husband is experiencing a lot of suffering because he is in resistance to the way things are. And we have to ask ourselves when we are suffering in our minds, so we're feeling irritability or resentment, anger, control with in a relationship, we have to ask ourselves, well, what part of this can I control? And when it comes to the actions of another person, we do not have control. All we can do is make requests, but we cannot force another person to do what we think is best for them. And if we try, we're typically only rupturing um, the relationship and also creating suffering within ourselves. So a lot of the conversations that Cliff and I have been having have been around letting go of expectations that we have of her and recognizing what is in our control and what is not. And we're walking that fine line right now, making ourselves available, being there on the sidelines, walking beside her in some way, and then also letting go. And letting go in a way that is not abandonment, that is not passive, um, that is not detached. In fact, when I was thinking about this subject matter, I remember there was a writing that I I never found out who originally wrote this, but um, a friend of mine and a student of mine sent this to me years ago when I had a yoga studio and I had taught a class on the art of letting go. And 
she sent me this writing and I thought that I would share it because it's something that I've looked at often in my role as a parent. And it says, to let go doesn't mean that you stop caring. It means I can't do it for someone else. To let go is not to cut myself off. It's the realization that I can't control another. To let go is not to enable, but to allow learning from natural consequences. To let go is to admit powerlessness, which means the outcome is not in my hands. To let go is not to try to change or blame another. I can only change myself. It's not to care for, but to care about. It's not to fix, but to be supportive. To let go is not to judge, but to allow another to be a human being. To let go is not to be in the middle arranging outcomes, but to let others arrange their own outcomes. To let go is not to be protective. It is to permit another to face reality. To let go is not to deny, but to accept. To let go is not to nag, scold, or argue, but to search out my own shortcomings and to correct them. To let go is not to adjust everything to my desires, but to take each day as it comes and cherish the moment. To let go is not to criticize or regulate anyone, but to try to become what I dream I can be. To let go is not to regret the past, but to grow and live for the further. To let go is to fear less and love more. And you know, I went and I found this and I simply copied it into my iPhone notes, but I hadn't really read it over until reading it to you just now. Oh, this is so meaningful to the conversations that my husband and I are having right now regarding our daughter. And the line around letting go of wanting to control another, but looking within for our own shortcomings, I think often, especially as parents, what we are wanting so badly to control in our children are the things that we probably need to tend to on ourselves. I I definitely found that in my motherhood journey. I, I think our kids are just such great mirrors. What irritates us about their behavior is typically related to parts of ourselves that uh, are in the shadows. And I also love how letting go does not mean that you no longer care. It's actually such an act of love. And this is where I think the conversation continues to need to go between my husband and I, because I do think that he feels as if he just lets her fail in some ways that he's failing her and i'm not going to speak for him but you know i imagine he would agree that he probably needs to look within at his own feelings around the concept of failing and what that really means to him because we've had many conversations about failure only means that you're trying right we can't protect ourselves or our children from that experience in fact You know, we want to celebrate that because that means that they went for it. So, so much acceptance, so much acceptance is being practiced right now. And we can tell when we're not in a state of acceptance. The opposite and the clue that 
we might need to practice it is being in a state of resistance. Whether you are resisting the weather, that summer is coming to a close, if you know you have a preference when it comes to different seasons and we're embarking on to a season that is inevitable, will you stay in a state of resistance or can you find a place of acceptance? And that just allows you to have a little bit more peace and a little bit more space so you can place your mental energy on what really matters to you. Because resistance, that kind of suffering in the mind, it's depleting. It's draining. I think on a global scale, you're seeing, we're all experiencing what it feels like to be in resistance. How many of us have truly accepted what it's like to be in the midst of a pandemic? How many of us are in pretty consistent resistance about reality? And how much space does that take in your mind? And what does it mean to accept our reality? It doesn't mean that we throw in the towel and we turn on the TV and that's it. There's no more life force. In fact, it means that we're taking action based on the discernment of knowing what we can control and what we cannot. So we're actually utilizing our energy more effectively because we're taking the action that we know can make a difference. And we're letting everything else go because we can't change it as much as we would want to. That's an important question to ask anytime we find ourselves resisting reality. What part of this reality is not in my control and what is? And then once you discern what is, then you can start to take skillful action and hopefully work to coming to peace with what you cannot control. That's definitely where I am right now. I'm learning from myself as I am reminding myself about these concepts. And, you know, acceptance is also so key when it comes to embarking on a healing journey if you're dealing with a mental health crisis like anxiety. One of the reasons that my experience of an anxiety disorder and panic disorder lasted for so long is because I was in resistance to it. Every time that I felt the symptoms of an impending panic attack, I braced myself. I refused to acknowledge this was going to happen. I wanted to run in fear. There was there was absolutely not one kernel of acceptance in my body or my mind. I resisted it with everything I had. I was so afraid of the fear that came along with a panic attack. And then when it was over, I resisted it by just hiding from it and ignoring it. And anything that we ignore and hide from and don't acknowledge is still just right there waiting for us to deal with it. And that ended up being the first step that had to be taken. I had to accept, all right, this is my reality right now. I am dealing with chronic experiences of an imbalanced nervous system and I had to have that moment of reckoning. This is this is what's happening. This is completely affecting my life in every way imaginable. It's causing so much pain and suffering. There's not one spare moment in my mind where I am not completely flooded by fear about the next panic attack and worry, and something has to change. 
And I had to have that reckoning of accepting that this was my reality and then questioning what part of that I had control over. And that's where the last 11 years of self-study and inquiry and, and formal education have taken me is understanding what part of our mental health we do have agency over and and we do in many cases and there's a lot of different paths in order to support us and we can't compare ourselves to anybody else when it comes to our own mental health journey it is a path of exploration and experimentation and discovery but it is a fine art of learning non-attachment because as human beings we are naturally attached to feeling pleasure and comfort this is why it's so hard to turn off netflix if you are binging a show that you love our body really wants us to stay comfortable on the couch close to the fridge close to a, a supply of food right there because we're built for survival so when we're feeling comfortable and safe, it's hard to create momentum to move out of what can turn into stagnation. And we just have to remind ourselves that, that so much of this is just wired in. So much of this is evolutionary. Our body wants to feel that food is easily accessed and that we're safe. And we're attached to that naturally. So we have to use our discernment to ask ourselves, is our attachment to comfort getting in the way of stepping into who we want to be? Are we risk averse because of our attachment to comfort, our attachment to control? How much can we accept that life is going on in the way it will go on a lot of times no matter what we think about that. That is an enormous practice. That is why a lot of people do turn to meditation or people who have explored mindfulness and meditation, they learn that becoming a little less attached and a little less controlling of themselves or others is a wonderful byproduct of that practice because you are essentially learning to be still and accepting of what comes up in your mind. Rather than hooking on to any thought and just believing it to be true, you are learning to watch it arrive. No story about its source. No story about its accuracy. And then you are able to watch it float away. And it's not easy to be that mindful much of the time. Much of the time, the thoughts that we're having about our likes and our dislikes are running the show. Because so much of our mind is out of our control. What we can control is how we react to the thoughts that naturally occur based on our habits and the specific lens that we see our lives through as a parent or 
anyone really in a relationship, I think that we can relate when somebody that we are having a relationship with um, says something or does something, and we have this immediate internal negative reaction. What if instead of staying attached to that viewpoint without questioning it, what if we were able to observe? Isn't that an interesting thought? Isn't that an interesting reaction? I wonder where that came from. Is that something that I want to believe in this moment? Is that true? What's another perspective? What would happen if I observe that? Not in order to stuff your feelings within. No, never. But we're just taking a moment or we're learning to. We're learning to take a moment and observe our internal landscape before reacting. That is a lifelong practice. And that's just one example of non-attachment. And what I love about this concept is that this concept specifically of non-attachment, this comes from various wisdom traditions that have been around a lot longer than you and I. And I've always felt relief knowing that a lot of these skills and tools that I've dedicated my life to, that I know a lot of you are interested in, were created in the first place because of our tendency to be so attached, to be so attached to pleasure and to craving and to be so averse to discomfort, which again, that's just natural. Non-attachment is learning to be comfortable when things are uncomfortable which is why somatic practices like a yoga practice can be interesting because you are learning that your body can be a little bit uncomfortable, but your mind can still be connected somehow to contentment. And contentment can be misunderstood just like non-attachment because it does not mean passivity. It does not mean that you do not care. You care more because you recognize what's worthy caring about, where you can create change, where you can actually have an impact. And you let go of the energy that is invested in controlling what you cannot. Like whether or not our daughter hands in that document on time and whether or not that will have a negative effect for her at her school. We cannot control that. And strangely enough, I think the more we try to control another person, I think the more, especially a teenager, the more they do not take agency for themselves. You know, I think in our daughter's case, and I think in many of us, when somebody is trying to control us, it almost sends a message that we're not to be trusted. You know, if somebody's trying to control my behavior, then they obviously do not think that I can act with integrity and right action on my own. Hmm. And then think about our own inner dialogue and how controlling it is towards ourselves. Being attached means we're always telling ourselves how things should be. 
where we should be at this point in our life, how much money we should make, what our career should look like, what our relationship should look like. And oh, the comparison that goes on just naturally in our minds based on social media doesn't help anything. But if we're also trying to control ourselves consistently, then there's an element there too that we must not trust ourselves. And all of that has to do with attachment because if we're attached to a certain rumination or thought pattern, we're not right here right now. And I talk about this so much on this podcast, this present centered awareness, and that's where we can find peace. That's the embodiment of acceptance. If we're practicing the art of presence, then we're accepting this moment, this temperature, (laughs) this weather, this place, this body, this voice, this relationship, this uncomfortable feeling, this uncomfortable feeling of lack of control. It's not comfortable, but there it is all the same. And we can control how we react to that discomfort. And it doesn't have to be detached. I remember the first time I tried to comprehend the topic of unattachment. And I think a teacher at the time was even talking about, you know, being able to be unattached to our loved ones, to be able to completely let go of relationships. And at that time, that was just something that I couldn't comprehend, letting go of relationships. Like, how is that? But I know now that it's the willingness to let go of being attached to those relationships, being a certain way, trying to control the state of them. We can only do so much. We can only do our side of the street. We can only make requests. And relationships are going to change one way or the other. That's the only thing that we know, just like the weather just like the seasons, just like a daughter moving away from home. So how, how can we set about making acceptance a daily practice? Practice observing. You can start first thing in the morning, observe what thoughts arise first thing in the morning. And see if they're the same quality of thoughts that arrive to you most mornings and how they make you feel. See if you can observe your thoughts and ruminations and quiet moments through the day. Practice mindfulness, noticing sensations of your body, noticing your breath, noticing memories. Notice emotional reactions to others. And ask yourself how things would change if you let others be who they were just a little bit more. If you were to ask yourself, what would this be like if I wasn't resisting this aspect of my life? 
What aspect of life are you resisting? For all of us, there are some things, maybe many things. I can think about many things that I'm resisting that I'm not proud of. You know, at times resisting the way things are changing when I look in the mirror, resisting the natural color of my hair, (laughs) resisting lower energy levels from time to time, certainly resisting the tone of another that seemingly comes out of nowhere. Every bit of suffering that we engage in the mind is related to this idea of resisting what's happening. And that resistance is often great. There's a lot to resist. And then we use our discernment around what part of what we're resisting is within our control and what part isn't. And that frees us up. So again, we can take action that can set about creating change for ourselves. But what part of resistance could you offer the softness of acceptance? In my relationship, so much has been improved, I think, because over the years we have accepted different aspects of the other person. My husband's love language is taking care of things. And often I would receive that as, you know, not really being there and listening, but just moving right into fixing. And that was frustrating for me, whose love language is all about being present and spending quality time. But I've learned to accept that the way my husband shows love is to take care of things, to be very solution-oriented. And now I see that my daughter is experiencing that. The way that he shows love is to want to help and fix and take care of things for her. But that doesn't work for her. And relationships are really a study in acceptance. Finding acceptance about parts of the people that we love that we cannot change is essential. And again, we use our discernment because there are aspects of relationships that we shouldn't accept, harmful aspects that we shouldn't accept, communication styles that we shouldn't accept. I'm talking about, you know, the foibles and the personality traits of others that cause us irritation that we can get really attached to needing that person to change. But how much would change if we added some space for just some acceptance? And normally that means that we need to turn to ourselves and accept those very same aspects in ourselves. I've thought about that a lot with my daughter over the years. If I've noticed myself wanting her to take care of something on my own timeline, it's because it's making me uncomfortable based on the things that I haven't taken care of in a timely manner that have caused me stress. And she'll have to learn that for herself. And that's the letting go that I'm doing in this moment. 
I'm also letting go of some of the expectations that I have for myself. I'm a private contractor and my days are filled with work that I really need to structure for myself. Some days I'm working with clients in my yoga therapy practice. Some days I'm working on writing projects or voiceover work. And I tend to have an expectation of myself to be consistently productive. But I notice that I'm tired right now. I think a lot of us are tired and depleted right now. This processing of my daughter moving, this processing, this processing of our new life, I can tell this has been depleting, not to mention what's going on globally. And that's why I created this challenge for myself that I talked about on the podcast last week. I called it 21 Days of Rejuvenation because I was creating some structure for myself. I do find freedom when I set some structure for myself. And actually, for those of us who have experience with anxiousness, it's actually a a great healing tool to set a little bit of a schedule, not anything that's rigid, but something that we can find freedom within. And I told myself that once a day, I was going to practice a yoga nidra meditation. And just to refresh you, that's a meditation where you're laying down and you are really beautifully guided into relaxation techniques and visualization. And it it has been so healing and refreshing for me in the past. And I wanted to see what happened if I would do it with some level of consistency. And that has been more challenging for me than I thought. If you've been following along with me, um, maybe you feel the same. I've had to really play with when it works for me. Uh, I've had to acknowledge that it will take a while for me to deconstruct my thought patterns around earning rest. Like I have to complete a certain amount of uh, items on my to-do list before I can rest. And I would like to deconstruct that. I would like to allow myself to rest even if I feel like I didn't earn it. So stay tuned on that level of non-attachment because that's my attachment to productivity. That's me controlling myself. That's my attachment to the belief that if I'm not being productive, that I'm not worthy. But I know logically, and I have found it in my own life that when I give myself downtime, especially with productive rest, especially with rest like yoga nidra, which is actually building you up. It's actually a rejuvenation and a restoring practice rather than a depleting practice like mindlessly scrolling or sitting down and watching TV. And I don't want to give either of those two activities too bad of a rap. I mean, we know how we feel when we get lost in the feeds or lost in a show. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it doesn't work for us. It's about finding that balance for ourselves. But it has been more difficult for me to find the time. So I have set aside time around four o'clock. That's when I like to finish my workday. And I give myself 20 minutes before I move on to later afternoon activities and then getting dinner together. So there's been a couple of days where I have not met my own expectation for a challenge. But when I set this challenge, I did so gently, (laughs) knowing that I would do my best. And that's where I'm headed now. I have missed a couple of days, but as I record this, we're day six. 
I will be releasing the second free Yoga Nidra to my community tomorrow, Friday. You can find all the details at lisadumasyoga.com. If you'd like your own Yoga Nidra practices that you can listen to, and whether you practice every day or not, it's up to you, but I'd love to hear your experience. As for me, it's helping me sleep. There's another attachment that a lot of us have, right, to this eight hours of sleep, when in fact, maybe some of us naturally have a bit of a wakeful time in the middle of the night. My teacher has taught me that it's important that we have two full sleep cycles, but if that means some wakeful time in the night, what if we were to accept that? I mean, it has been super counterintuitive to anybody who has challenges with sleep in order to get super attached to having a full sleep, right? What happens when we get attached to that? What happens when we try to control that? Um, that's, that's stressful, depleting energy. And if we can accept that we will have the sleep that we will have, things do get a little bit easier. So I've been working with that. And I do find that Yoga Nidra helps me to have a full night's sleep. But I also want to practice Yoga Nidra without attachment and without using it as another control mechanism to make something else happen in my life. But I do accept that I need more rest. And so that's where I'm headed now for my day six of uh, rejuvenation. And I hope that today offers you some rest and some opportunities for acceptance, some inquiry into where you could let go and where you might feel a little bit attached in your life. Know that it's natural. Know that it's the human condition. Forgive yourself. Accept yourself. And um, thank you so much for being here again this week. I'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening to the Warrior to Warrior podcast. If you enjoyed it, please take a moment to give this podcast a five-star review. You can do that in the Apple Podcast app. It helps other people to find the show. Thank you so much.